Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to a brand new season of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. Amanda Howard, the serial killer whisperer. It's Series 9. I know, and we haven't taken a break, which is fantastic. Because I'm well, we had we a week. A break. Yeah, yeah, but we but we still recorded cold cases for the Patreon That's true. group. So, <laughs> so are you at a point where you can't get enough of me, Amanda? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I <laughs> would do this that. five days a week. You know that I'd do it seven days a week if I could. Indeed. Well, Amanda appeared on uh, my internet show, the Ben Robin Robo Show, uh, during the week, and we talked about the Christchurch uh, terrorist, which we will mm-hmm. talk about in a moment. And, Amanda, it's good to have you on the show. You can see that one at facebook.com slash show. I've also posted it on the Monsters Who Murder Facebook page. It was so good to have you as a video cast, though, I've got to say. I know. It was so good to be there. And I love Robbo and it was lovely to meet Ben. And I just, I thought, yes, I need to do like, you know, Friday crimes or something. There has to be something that I can insert myself into your life a bit further. Yes, you're obviously not in it enough. I, I, <laughs> uh, look, we are doing something really interesting today. We're looking at 911 calls. We're generically calling them the US term of 911. In Australia, it's triple zero. In the UK, is it 999? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to listen to some really compelling calls and the way they're handled. It's really fascinating, Amanda. Yes, it is. And, and it's purely because the first 911 call that we're going to play that really... Th- really made me think that this is something that we could do a whole episode on and, I mean, I could probably do a whole series on it, but it's just interesting how cases can be handled so differently if the right people get the right answer at, mm. the, at the first moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's coming up in a moment. But first, let's get to the news. And Brenton Tarrant, the terrorist responsible for the Christchurch mosque massacres, has been sentenced to life without parole. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinta Ardern held a press conference shortly after reacting to the news. I want to start by acknowledging the strength of our Muslim community who shared their words in court over the past few days. You relive the horrific events of March 15 to chronicle what happened that day and the pain it has left behind. Nothing will take the pain away. But I hope you felt the arms of New Zealand around you through this whole process. And I hope you continue to feel that through all the days that follow. The trauma of March 15 is not easily healed. But today, I hope, is the last where we have any cause to hear or utter the name of the terrorists behind it. 
His deserves to be a lifetime of complete and utter silence. Andrew Costa, the Commissioner of Police, also shared his thoughts. Uh, look, the sentence is the strictest that can be handed down uh, in this country. We're very satisfied with the outcome, but our focus today is on the victims and the courage that they showed in this situation. Amanda, this is a first for New Zealand as far as sentencing is concerned, right? Uh, yeah, life without parole has been an available sentence in New Zealand only since 2010 when they uh, adjusted their uh, sentencing act purely because with the terrorism threats and everything that had happened around the world, they realised that they needed to actually look at, at, at further harsh sentences. So uh, the fact that this is the first one, it's not actually the first time it's come up. So there has been three others in New Zealand that were eligible for the life without parole, but he is the first one that's actually had this sentence given. So it is, uh, it does set precedence, but it's also the yardstick of, of what they will now compare further crimes to. Mm. And, and the Prime Minister doesn't want anyone to say the killer's name. This is an ongoing debate about whether we give notoriety to killers. What are your thoughts on the idea of not naming these people? It's, it's really tough, and, and I understand both sides of the story, but uh, not mentioning the person's name isn't going to make the crime go away. It's not going to stop others doing it. If, if we don't name these people, it, it's not going to say, well, next week there isn't going to be a terrorist attack. I mean, there was a, a lone shooter just this week in, in the US. So, I mean, this is something that is going to continue. It's Sometimes, yes, they believe it is about notoriety, and we know that this terrorist actually put his face on Facebook live streaming so then everyone knew who he was and what he'd done and then his face was plastered everywhere. You know, but forgetting his name is not going to forget the crimes and, you know, we we talk about the Holocaust but we also talk about Hitler. We need Mm. to remember these evil men and evil women too that have perpetrated these crimes so then when the next ones come up we can see what's happening. Not naming them isn't going to take away the deadly assault that they do but it's just going to make people almost forget it and I don't think that we can do that. Fair enough. A lot has happened since our last news section, including the sentencing of the Golden State Killer. Joseph D'Angelo, 74, has been sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. His reign of terror in California took place during the 1970s and 80s, which included 13 murders and at least 50 rapes. While those in court listened to three days of victim impact statements detailing his horrendous crimes, one of his three daughters, the eldest in fact, offered up a completely different perspective of the serial killer, saying he was a selfless provider and great father in a letter submitted to the court. Amanda, we often talk about this disconnect between the double life of the serial killer and his family. Yeah, it's it's quite an interesting um, issue that does continue to raise its head and we've seen this a lot lately that they're actually getting these family members of the killers to actually speak out and and give their point because they are also a victim in this and yeah. that's what we seem to forget. So by them giving themselves a face and giving themselves a name, they're able to say, you know, I didn't know this person, I knew the selfless provider and great father. And it is a these killers are able to do both of these things. They are able to be this vile, revolting rapist and killer as well as a loving father. And and we continue to forget that. As we say on on this podcast so often, 
These killers are normal. We see them walking down the street. Well, we they don't appear look normal in real life. Yes. I mean, they are normal. It's just part of their life is abnormal. It's not about um, that they're hiding it. It's just a different section of them that they, they compartmentalise and they only allow out when it's time to be the killer. And you won't notice them walking down the street because they appear as we all do. And they are fathers. They are brothers. They are sisters. They are mothers and and and. and aunties and uncles this is what happens and we uh, we always believe that these families should have seen something but this is how they're good at disguising that part of their lives and the families have to reconcile that after they find out because had they known they probably would have dubbed them in 20 years ago but they don't know and so Mm. they they are victims just as much as the people who were raped and the people that were murdered because they've now found out that their life has actually been a lie yeah Well, a confidential coroner's report has raised the possibility that a serial killer could be responsible for murdering a number of pensioners. As Sky News reports, a report leaked to the Sunday Times said two suspected double murders in Chelsea could have been the work of an offender unknown to police. The first two double killings happened in 1996 and 1999, only two miles apart. In both cases, husbands were previously thought to have murdered their wives before killing themselves. But modern techniques have led a report to find both cases were likely to have been double murders. The report warns the individual will not stop killing until someone or something stops him. Manda, this is a new twist. We do see murder-suicides happen fairly regularly. The idea that this is a cover-up for a serial killer making it look like that is really intriguing. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite perplexed by this because though this report has said that it's likely to be two double killings and that it's likely a serial killer, they don't actually say how or why. So mm-hmm. there's so, so many doubts in, in this that we need to find out. And the fact that they say the individual will not stop killing until someone or something stops them, but these murders happen in 96 and 99. So you start to think, well, hang on a sec, are they still killing? So where's the next But could other murder-suicides be... Uh, well, result yeah. of this serial killer. Yeah, so so now it's like it's, it's basically a can of worms because if these two are linked, how many others are involved? Because just because there's a pattern of two lots of double killings, there might have been singles after that, there might have been singles before that. And so if, if they're deciding that there is a serial killer here, they need to now search for other cases to see what patterns have changed and to see what was being covered up. I mean, sometimes when cases are covered up, it's purely because people in the know are involved. So the fact that this has now been leaked and someone wants something questioned suggests that there's something a bit rotten in this barrel of apples. No, very interesting take, and that's why you are the serial killer whisperer. (laughs) Thank you, Amanda. Well, before we move on, tell me about what's happening with Patreon because, as you said last week, we did another bonus episode for our $10-plus Patreon subscribers, but... I'm really intrigued by this secret Facebook page you've got going on. It's really going gangbusters, isn't it? It is, and I spent a lot of time on it. And even a couple of nights ago, I actually did a live feed on it. It wasn't very long because no one was around that there was a couple of people I chatted to which was lovely but I I just wanted to put out there you know just some questions about this upcoming season because it's actually made me quite emotional and there's some some grabs that we're going to play in in the upcoming episodes that I sobbed my heart out and we'll probably do that on 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 the channel again so I just sort of put it out there to ask our Patreon subscribers like what do you think Is, is this something that we should be doing is this too emotional that maybe it's it's not something that that 
that's worthy to put into a podcast. And and so I had a lot of feedback on things like that and people saying, yeah, I think it's worth it. Just put some warnings up because some people may find it a trigger, others won't, others want to hear our, our take on this. And we have a lot of people, um, there's been a few critiques of the um, accents, Robert, but we won't go into those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the accents have not gone down well with some people. Oh, there's been some funny comments, I must admit. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's just been a great place where people feel safe because it's not sort of open to everyone. It's secret, it's private. To join it, you have to be a $10 or up subscriber and then you have to friend me and then have to tell me that you're in the group and all of this sort of stuff that we have to go through so, so I can let you in. And then once you're in, um, we're all talking about different cases that, that are coming up. We're talking about news stories like uh, the terrorist attack in, in New Zealand and there's bits and pieces there that, that wouldn't warrant a episode per se but we actually talk about those cases because there is some and there's some historical cases and people have had links to cases and, and people that have been victims and all that are sort of coming together in, in this in this small group, well, hope, hopefully we'll get bigger, but it's just it's just for our subscribers, and it's a, it's available to anyone who is a ten dollar and up subscriber. And we're doing a couple of different other Patreon episodes. We did one last week that I think we have to rework a bit, but it was a, a good opportunity for us to try something out and mm. and something that we'll move forward with with which some smaller episodes, um, sort of like you know just enough that we can talk about it quickly, but not for a full like hour long episode and not a cold case per se so we are trying some new ideas for the patreon subscribers as well so they get more content as well as getting to talk to me pretty much 24 7 because we all know i don't sleep so yes and you're on facebook all the time <laughs> I am. Uh, what is uh last week we covered the wanda beach murders and judge rob solved the case and decided he uh he came up with what happened and and who did it so yes. if you want to know the answer that investigators haven't been able to solve judge rob <laughs> is right there and ready to deliver his verdict now if you want to be part of that just go to patreon.com slash mwm confessions five dollars will get you the early access to the episodes ten dollars will get you that plus the bonus content on facebook and bonus episodes twenty dollars gets you all of that plus a monthly group video chat and fifty dollars gets you a all of that and a one-on-one call with amanda and myself once a month so we're looking forward to that all right in a moment, we're going to listen to some 911 calls and find out how different approaches get different results. Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. We'll be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Robin Robbo. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. You've really taken a turn with this overnight. Exclusive stories. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 Minutes. <laughs> the Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday at 1 p.m. 
Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. It's a Ben, Rob and Robbo, Ben, Rob and Robbo, Ben, Rob and Robbo Show. Well, in our darkest moments, it can be comforting to know that calling emergency services can render assistance quickly. There are hundreds of published calls of young children calling when their parents have fainted. There have been babies born on the sides of roads. But here, we will look at those devastating calls and how they were managed. We are looking at a variety of different crimes and disappearances to show how a dispatcher can make or break a case and how they manage the person on the other end of the phone. So let's begin. One of the most frustrating and heartbreaking 911 calls occurred on February 5, 2012. Following the disappearance of his wife Susan Powell, Joshua Powell lost custody of his two sons Charlie and Braden. He had also been found to be in possession of child pornography images which added weight to the custody hearing requested by Susan's parents. On the fateful day, caseworker Elizabeth Griffin Hall arrived in the Powell home driveway with the two boys. Joshua appeared at the door and the two boys ran to their father. Powell scooped up the two boys and ran inside the home and locked the house. Elizabeth called 911 requesting urgent assistance. Take a listen to her call. Morning. Hey, I'm on a supervised visitation for a court-ordered visit, and something really weird has happened. The kids went into the house, and the parent, the biological parent, whose name is Josh Powell, will not let me in the door. What should I do? What's the address? It's 8119, and I, I think it's 89th. Um, I, I don't know what the address is. Okay, that's pretty important for me to know. Um, sorry, I can't. Just a minute. Let me get in my car and see if I can, if I can find it. I'm, this, nothing like this has ever happened before at um, these visitations, so I'm really um, shocked. And I could hear one of the kids crying, but he still wouldn't let me in. Yeah, you I supervise, supervise yourself? 
one make, aren't you the one making the visit? Or is there another person the one, that you're supervising? No. I'm the one that supervises. I pick up the kids with their grandparents. Yes. And then who visits with the children? Josh Powell. Okay, so you're supposed to be there to supervise Josh Powell's visit with the children. Yes, that's correct. And how did... And he's the husband of missing Susan Powell. How did... How, this is a high-profile case. How did he... How did he gain access to the children before you got he there? Grabbed,
This is incompetence beyond beyond comprehension, Amanda. Yeah. You know, um, this guy has taken two kids against an order and and this dispatcher has not listened. You know, the mother is missing. The husband is just barricading himself with the children in the house and the 911 caller dispatcher wants to know the colour of the company car. Now, I can understand that if he's saying to the police coming, look out, but we were... It was right until the very end that he put out the call and he made, he specifically said he's not treating this as an emergency. I, I, I'm in shock. Yeah. I'm in shock. And, Robert, you don't know what's coming and that's it's um, be prepared because what's coming is going to be horrific. But this is so extremely frustrating and anyone that's heard this call knows the story. They know how frustrating this is. This social worker is trying to get the details to dispatch. He's saying, no, you listen to my my questions. Mm. And she's like saying, listen to me. The mother is missing. He has taken the children. He's gone inside the house. I can smell gasoline. Something's going on. I need you to come. She says, I can hear one of the boys crying. He will not let me in the house. You know, so he is missing these major issues that she's trying to tell him. He's not this listening. This is a big case. No, he's not listening. He is sitting there saying, okay, I'm not going to go to the next question on my sheet until you answer the last one. I need to know what make and model is your Prius from 2010 or whatever it was. You know, that's more important to me than the risk and the safety of these children that are inside this house. And this call becomes a major issue going forward. Well, Elizabeth calls 911 again and things have changed for the worse. The house is now on fire after an explosion. Kids were, kids were one step ahead of 
of me. They're five and seven. They were one step ahead of me, and he slammed the door in my face. And you think he might have done this intentionally? Yes. Okay. Johnny, go ahead with what you need to pass that on to my Thank team. you very much, Fireman. What is your name, please? I'm Elizabeth Griffin Holland. I'm the supervised visit chick. Okay, hold on. Elizabeth, hold on just a moment. Ma'am? Okay, so your last name is Griffin what? Griffin Hall. G-R-I-F-F-I-N hyphen Hall. H-A-L-L. -L. Okay. And your phone number is 360-990-9955 is your personal cell number. Is that correct? is listening. She no. is giving the information. No one is listening. This is harrowing. You know, Elizabeth, she obviously had no idea how dramatically her day would change, and she's the only person trying to help the boys this day. It's like these emergency operators refuse to believe that there's an emergency. Yeah, like she has said from the very first moment of the very first call, he has abducted his children inside the house. They are inside the house. And everyone else is asking all these other ridiculous questions like is her surname hyphenated and everything of that. And it's just like I'm, I've got tears. I just And I've heard this tape a hundred times, you know. But sadly, once the investigators actually go and sift through the ashes because that is all that's left by the time they bother to turn up, it was discovered that the boys' final moments were spent in pure terror. They were actually attacked by their father who had a hatchet in his hand. So mm. he... Jesus. attacked them and the autopsies actually show that the, both the boys had significant trauma to their skulls and necks from the hatchet before he set the place on fire. You know, he had actually already spread the gasoline around. He was ready for when she turned up with those boys to kill them. You know, thankfully... They had died from the smoke in inhalation, but it, it was while they were lying there bleeding to death from the hatchet wounds. Like, this is what's going on while they are asking what make and model her car is. And not calling an emergency service. Yeah. Well, to this day, Susan Powell's whereabouts remain unknown. Her father-in-law, Stephen Powell, is in jail for voyeurism and child pornography. The voyeurism charges related to many young women and teens, but also included substantial unnerving footage of Susan Powell. Joshua's brother, Michael, took his life a year after the murder-suicide. Investigators claim he played a part in the murder of Susan. Okay, moving on, and in an episode to come, we will examine the murders of Sean Gray, but this chilling phone call from an amazingly brave woman broke the case. It is September 13, 2016. A woman we will call Jane Doe is tied to the bed. She had been abducted three days earlier. As Great sleeps beside her, she frees herself enough to glance out of the window to try and find out where she is and then call 911. She whispers to dispatch, trying to give as much detail as she can. What is the address to your emergency? 
Fourth Street Laundromat. What is it? Fourth Street Laundromat. What's the problem? I've been insulted. What's your name? How do you spell your last name? Who abducted you? Sean Green. Is it John Green? Sean Craig. Where's he at now? Asleep. Where's he sleeping at? In the bedroom. In what bedroom? There's two houses right by the laundry street. And it's in one of those houses. But you're at the laundromat? No, I'm I'm in the bedroom with them. What color's the house? If I'm looking at the laundry mat, which way is it? If you're looking in the laundry mat, it's on the left of the two. You don't know what color the house is? No. Please hurry. Did he have a car? No. Well, he sat down the street. What's your phone number you're calling me from? I don't know. Can you think it's a yellow house? I think so, but it's on the left. Is it an apartment? No, it's a house. Okay, does he own the house? No, he broke into it. Does anybody actually live there? I think he's been abandoned. And his name is Sean Great? Yes. Like G-R-A-T-E? Yes. Do you have a weapon? Where do you live? What does he look like? Is he a white male or a black male? Is he like six foot or is he shorter than that? He's like six one, six two. Do you know how much he weighs? Probably 175. Are you injured? Uh, a little. What color is his hair? Brown. Do you know what color his eyes are? Yeah. What's he wearing? Nothing right now. Okay, stay in the home with me. Well, dispatch calls police to mobilise the rescue and comes back to the frightened victim. Amanda, it must be incredibly hard to know they need as much detail as possible and the possibility that trying to get that information could put the victim in more danger. Yeah, it is. I mean, the more detail they have, the better, of course. But if it's, but not if it's going to postpone the the response. You know, we, like we just saw with the power case. You know, what type of car are you driving? Blah blah blah. She's Jay saying, I don't know the color of his eyes. So they just move on to her, the next question. She mm. doesn't even have an address, but she gives the name of a company across the road that she can see of a laundromat. And so this dispatches of obviously Google walking it or or something can see yeah. where the thing is. And so now, which house is it? 
you know, what colour do you think? And this is going to help. This is how they piece together cases like this, you know, and this is going to get a good result, thankfully, you know, but it just proves that sometimes you can't go by the book. You've got to listen to what the victim is saying and not just sort of go with, well, I, I can't help you until you tell me the make a model of your car, you mm. know. It's just mm. crazy. Well, let's continue with the call. Police are on their way. She is scared and dispatch tries to come up with some solutions. Is he still sleeping? Yes. Where did he take you from? My apartment. My apartment. I mean, I was walking with him. You were walking with him? Where were you walking to? His place. I've known him for like a month and a half. Is there any way you can get out of the building? I don't know without waking him and I'm scared. Is there a bathroom in the house? Well, his bedroom is closed and he made it so it would make noise. And if you told him you had to go to the bathroom, he would do something to you? Yeah, because he had me tied up. Are you tied up now? Well, I, yeah, but I kind of freed myself. Is he in the same room with you? Yes. Is it his phone you have? Yes. Are they on the way? Yeah, we have officers we're sending. Okay. If you're worried, you don't have to talk. You can just set the phone down, okay? I just need to hear if the officers find you or not. Are you upstairs or are you downstairs? We're downstairs. There's a door. There's a side door on the right of the left house. And that's where we enter. Immediately there's a kitchen right there and then the bedroom is right, right off from the kitchen.
you hear anybody right now? She heard the side door open. She's rescued and safe. She's still on the phone that whole time. How would she be feeling? Well, she's absolutely terrified and that's not going to change for a long time, but she's relieved. Like she knew the police had been there. She could hear them downstairs. She was worried that that would wake wake mm. up Sean Great and all of this. So, so it's a very fine line that all of these people involved in this have to walk. So, so the police can't go in all guns blazing because it could you know, cause harm to her. She has mm. to be quiet so he, he doesn't wake wake up. The dispatch team need to be quiet but get enough information and, and able to relay this to everyone else that's trying to help and save her, you know, but it's not going to be over just yet. But So there's more to come. Well, that's right. We then hear the officers go in. So, Amanda, what did happen? 
Well, inside the house is Sean Great, obviously, and also the rotting bodies of two of his victims. So we have mm. a serial killer here. So she has just rescued herself from a serial killer. Mm. And, you know, between actually 2006 and 2016 when, when all of this occurred, a Great had actually murdered five women, um, though he had actually claimed that he wasn't going to kill that this last victim, that she was the one for him, she, she, she was going to be his bride and they were going to live happily ever after. Obviously, that's not what was going on. She was chained to a bed, for heaven's sake. So he would actually be found guilty of all of the murders and the attack on Jane Doe, and she and he was then sentenced to death, and he sits on Ohio's death row. Okay, thank you for that. Let's move on to a very famous case in Australia, and that's the murder of Alison Baden-Clay by her husband, Jared. It's a domestic violence case here in Australia. On the morning of April 20, 2012, Alison was reported missing by her husband. Police emergency, what's your location? Oh, good morning, Brookfield. Whereabouts in Brookfield, sir? Uh, 593 Brookfield Road, Brookfield. And what's happening there? Um, I, I don't want to be alarmist, I tried the 131 number, but um, just went on forever. Yep. My, my wife isn't home. Um, so, Amanda, in the notes, I can see it took him 22 seconds to say what the emergency is. Yeah, so first he makes a, an apology. He says that he had tried the other Crime Stoppers number first and, you know, he is just sort of saying, oh, good morning and all of this. There is no panic in his voice. There's no worries. There's nothing that that would suggest that there is something happening. Look at the first case where the Powell case where the woman who isn't even involved in the family was so panicked and here this man's wife is missing and says, oh, sorry, good morning, how are you, before he even gets to what he wants to say. Why did he ring that other number first? Well, see, he wants to have that call logged, you know, and then it gets lost in a mountain of paperwork. He doesn't want to ring Triple O because Triple O calls are recorded. Triple O calls then stick around forever, as as you can see, we have it now. But if he didn't ring, it would have looked suspicious. So he would have said later, oh, yeah, but I, I rung the Crime Stoppers line and, and mm-hmm. logged it. So that's what he's trying to do here. Okay, let's continue. Uh, no, I don't know where she is. Okay, when, when did you last see her, sir? Um, last night when we went to bed, um, when I went to bed, and I got up this morning and she, she wasn't there, and that's not unusual. She she often goes for a walk in the morning. Yep. Um, I've texted her and called her a number of times. I think she has her phone with her. Yep. Um, You've got that. I caught you smile on you again, Amanda. <laughs> well, let's play that section again and just see if anyone else can pick up the lie. Okay. Uh, no, I don't know where she is. Okay. When, when did you last see her, sir? Um, last night when we went to bed. Um, when I went to bed. And I got up this morning and she, she wasn't there. And that's not unusual. She, she often goes for a walk in the morning. Yep. Um, I've texted her and called her a number of times. I think she has her phone with her. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can only imagine the lie is that she didn't have her phone with her. No. Well, if she does this every morning and goes for a walk, why would he be repeatedly trying to call her except to set up his timeline? So if, you know, so like if, 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 if you went for a walk every day, 
your your spouse wouldn't call you every time, you know. But if you hadn't like, come back by a certain time, no, like if you go for a no, walk and get this back is at during six. that same time. Yeah, no, this is this is not three hours later. This is uh, at the same time that she was doing this walk. And so, why was he repeatedly calling her if there was nothing to worry about? Because she does this every day. Fair point. Let's go back to the tape. What time does she normally get back when she goes to well, a walk? This morning she she was planning to she has a seminar in the city, so she was planning to leave by you know around seven. And, okay. Um, she's not back home yet. Okay. All right. And what's your wife? I'm now driving the streets. My my father's come over and to look after my children. Yeah. Okay. So what was what's your name first of all? I'm sorry. Um, Jared. G E R A R D. And your last name, Jared? Baden Clay, B-A-D-E-N. Yep. Hyphen C-L-A-Y. And what's your wife's name? Alison with two L's. And same surname? Same Okay, and how old is Alison? Uh, um, 44. Okay, so you didn't see her before she got up this morning, so... No. Okay, all right. And what's her mobile number? 0401. Yep. One four nine. Yep. Zero one three. Zero one three. Okay. All right. And how tall is your wife? Um. Um. About five six something like that, I think. Okay. And what colour hair has she got? She's got it done last night. It's sort of a blondy, browny, reddish sort of look. Yep. And how long is it? Uh, shoulder length. Shoulder length. Okay. What I'll do, I'm going to put a broadcast on for the police to keep a lookout for your wife. Um, are you going to go back home? Because uh, okay. we'll get police to come and see you. Uh, I need to go home. Yeah. The kids ready for school. Yeah. All right, Jared. I'll get police to come and see you, okay? What's the best contact number for you? 0400. Yep. Four, five, six, yep. Okay, just give us a call back if she hasn't returned before police get there, okay? I will. All right, thanks, Jared. Bye-bye. He's very cool, calm and collected. He is, except he doesn't know how old his wife is, um, you know, doesn't know his own name then for a second. It's, he's very much preoccupied with something else that's going on. And, and for someone who believes their wife has disappeared, um, he is way too calm and collected, but... As we know, um, her body was actually found 10 days later and though they couldn't find a cause of death, he was arrested and uh, charged with her murder. He was found guilty of her death um, as a manslaughter only, unfortunately, and sentenced to life with a minimum sentence of 15 years. Okay. For our next call, we head to Essex in England and a triple nine call. 18-year-old Lewis Danes called triple nine after murdering 14-year-old Breck Bedner on February 17, 2014. Essex Police Emergency. Hi there. Um, okay. Uh, hello. Um, I need police and a forensic team to my address, please. What do you mean? What's happened? My friend and I got into an altercation and I'm the only one who came out alive. Are you telling me you've killed somebody? Yes, I am. Right, and who am I speaking to? My name is Lewis Baines. I'm 18 years old and I live... Right, OK. And what's actually happened? 
my friend came to stay the night with me yesterday, feeling very down, feeling suicidal. And I woke up this morning, he was in a mess. I tried to calm him down. I hugged him and said that I was there for him. He grabbed, he, he shrugged me off. Can you, can you just bear with me a second? Don't tell me anymore, okay? You're telling me he is definitely dead. I'm telling, yes, I'm telling you he's definitely dead. Okay, Amanda, can you give us some background on this case? Yeah, well, 18-year-old Lewis Danes actually met Breck Bedner um, through an online gaming group. So there was uh, Danes and there was Bedner and there was a few others. And um, Danes had actually created his own sort of online group with about six of them and they would meet and play games. Now, Breck's mother actually had a bit of concern early early on about Danes because he seemed to sort of um, control this group. They had to be on t- online at certain times. They had to do what he asked them to do and things like that. And then um, on, on this weekend, uh, Breck had actually told his mother that he was going to go and stay with his father but when he didn't arrive they 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 started to get concerned and start looking for Breck. And she was concerned that her son was being groomed right? Absolutely and this is what's happening though he's 18 and and Breck was 14 doesn't matter he he's still um of the age of majority and should not be grooming these these young teenage boys online but uh, uh Danes had done this for for like this was going on 18 months before they actually get to this point where Danes actually kills Breck. Now going back to the tape for a second he laughed when asked if the victim was definitely dead why did he laugh? Well, though he's saying that, you know, he had had to calm his friend down and, and Breck was, you know, being psychotic and abusive, it actually wasn't. And and he had actually slit Breck's throat. It wasn't mm. sort of, oh, I choked him out and I think he might be dead. He literally killed him and then he took photos of Breck's body and sent it to Breck's family. So then they knew that something else is going on and it's quite horrific that this is how they found out that Breck wasn't where he should be. Okay, dispatch now has police on the line. Right, okay, Lewis, I need you to just take me back through that again. So what happened last night? Okay. He came to stay with me because he was feeling down. I tried What's his name? Brett. B-R-E-C-K. Bednar. B-E-D-N-E-R. Sorry, uh, B-R-E-C-K. Brett. Yes. And then his surname is? Bednar. B-E-D-N-E-R. Okay, so he came to stay with you. I can explain this to the officers when they I, I will just, I need to take these initial I, details. I know, I know. I, he came to stay with me the night. I did my best to comfort him. I woke up this morning. He was in a mess. I tried again. Right, just slow down again, Lewis. I need to take these details. So did you have an argument with him last night? No, we were fine. You were fighting? No, no, we were fine. We were fine last night. We both went to sleep. I said that we were fine. Okay, but why did he come to stay with you? Because he was fed up with his home life. Right, because he was fed up with his home life. Look, he's had a lot of problems. I've known him for a long time. He came to stay with me. I was in Thailand last week on holiday. He was in Spain on holiday. Right, okay, okay, okay. We both got back. So you both went to bed, and then what's happened this morning? I woke up. He was just standing up. He was in a mess. 
hands on his face. I got up, I put my arms around him, and I said it was okay. He just shrugged me off and said no. Some, I can't remember exactly what he said. He, he was going on about how he didn't want to go home. He was fed up with his life, and he, he didn't want to go. Right, and okay. He... I have a pen knife on the side of, sorry, in my room, adjacent to my bed. I have a, a, a chest of drawers after shaving the TV and stuff on there. I had a pen knife on there, folded. He picked it up, opened it, and then lost control. I slow down. Let me just let me just take those details here. Pen knife on the bedside table. Brett grabbed this. Yeah. What, in order to harm himself? No, in order to harm me. He opened it and right. then lost okay. control. to harm someone and opened it. Um, states he lost control. I, yep. in self-defense, put my left arm up to block him from stabbing me effectively. We struggled. I got him to the ground. He got up. I got the knife. Can okay. you can you not interrupt me with this part? Okay, go on. Okay, this is being recorded anyway, isn't it? Yep. I grabbed the knife and I stabbed him once in the back of the neck. I believe somewhere near the brainstem. He turned around, tried to carry it on, and I I think I stumbled on my chest of drawers. I fell over. I got back up, backed away, and then I I don't remember exactly what happened, but the fight ended with me cutting his throat. I believe I turned around and I splashed his throat. Right. He fell he fell face first on my bed. I tried to stop the bleeding. Yep. He fell onto the floor. Yeah. Couldn't stop it. His throat was properly cut. And he's still on the floor? Yes. He fell onto the bed face first. I was tr I was trying to compress the wound right, at that okay. time. And Lewis, are you still in the room where Breck is? No. Where are you? Look, this... Don't... Okay, don't interrupt me. Just let me explain this if this is being recorded. I didn't know what to do. I felt like... Right, is, is the, the house where you are is where you are and where Brick is, yes. yeah? I but felt, you're, you're in another room, are you? Yes, I felt like taking my own life. I, I, I don't remember what happened after that. All I know is I dropped the knife in my hallway. I stripped down and just sat in the shower. Right, you've left the weapon in the hallway. Yes. And have spent how long sitting in the shower? I, I, I don't know. Look, are, the, are the police on their way? I can hear. They are. They are. Okay, I'm um, going to go and do my part. Please, thank you for your help. Right, just listen. Okay, talk to me about what's going on. He sounds cold and lackey, any sort of emotion. He's actually just annoyed, telling dispatch multiple times to stop interrupting him. What's that about? He is the star of the show and he knows exactly what he's going to say and because it's all a complete lie, if she keeps interrupting him, he's going to lose where he's up to in his lie. It's hard he's to got recall the narrative something. Planned. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to recall something that didn't exist. So if she says, oh, well, where's this or where is he? he now, where are you standing? 
he doesn't have the answers for that just yet because that's not where he's up to in this storyline and it makes it very hard for him to continue because if he says something wrong because it's out of order then they can get him and he knows this is being recorded he knows this is going to play on the internet and all of this sort of stuff this is the sort of person that when we talked about um the terrorists in new zealand these are the type of people that they're talking about that we don't want to give this man a name and yes we have here but these are the sort of people that are doing this for the notoriety he knows that everything i have to say has to be amazing and and brilliant and i'm using all my correct pronunciation and i'm frustrated that you some lonely telephone operator is interrupting what i have to say you know it's it's like uh, when we played the stephen port triple nine call you know he just expects to be able to get out his his story and then hang up the phone and expect all these scientific people in in white suits and gloves and and police are going to turn up with guns blaring and all this sort of stuff this is what he's expecting he wants to get his story out have it nice and neat and clear he has his story because it's as, as we said, it's it's not what actually happened. He actually killed this guy because, purely because he could, you know, and he doesn't want to talk to dispatch. She is just someone who is just an annoying part that he has to do. This is about him giving the best performance of his life for a recording. Let me ask you, though, you said that he sent pictures mm-hmm. to uh, the victim's family, so he's provided proof of what he did. Well, no, he's provided proof that their their son, their brother is dead, not that he has actually done it. But, yes, this is a sick and perverted thing to do. He has sent them the photos. This is about more harm. This is pure psychopathic behaviour. But did he not realise that would come back to bite him on the arse? He doesn't care. This is what he, he wanted to do. He's playing the game. Yeah, but the way he's putting he up. Uh, my point oh, yeah. is that with the nine one with the triple nine call, he's putting up this facade that he didn't do it or that he did it in self defence. Sorry. Sending the pictures to the family's victims is not an act of self-defence. That's a uh, that's a that's example of bastardry. Yeah, absolutely. But it could be saying, "Oh my God, your son attacked me, and so I had to kill him, and this is what he looks like." We cannot access those um, photos. We cannot access those texts so we don't know the context in which he sent them but we know that they were sent and this is actually how they found out. Breck's brother said, "Mum, I just got this, you know." This is Breck, I think. You know, it's it's a different part of the story. But, yeah, this is part of, of the psychopathic behaviour. And, yes, it did play out. And this is why he, he was sentenced to, to so long in prison. But it is about this this triple nine call, how he just, you know, don't interrupt me with this next part. I have to get this out because he knows that if she does interrupt him, he's going to get his story wrong. Well, Danes pleaded guilty to the murder and was sentenced to life with a non-parole period of 25 years, meaning he could be free at the age of 45. Amanda, this has actually been quite fascinating. I would love it if we could do another series of 911 calls because there is so much to learn from them and even just the way the dispatchers are handling these cases and the differences they make. Could we please do another episode of this? Absolutely. I've got some great calls ready to go for next time and we'll see the good, the bad and the ugly then too. All right, Amanda, thank you very much. Don't forget, if you'd like to subscribe to Patreon, go to patreon.com slash... MWM Confessions. We'll see you next week on Monsters Who Murder. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 